Hello and welcome to the Heads and Volleys podcast with me, Lee Dunn. Super excited for today's episode with Byron Gutierrez because he is one of the individuals who contributed to the last episode that I produced and that was really about preparation and opening up to the Twitter crowd and asking what people do and what take priority for them when they're setting up for their preseason or now they're halfway through the preseason. So Byron and I have discussed kind of in here in depth really on his approach and his background is super unique. It's not something that I would typically expect from a lot of the soccer crowd that I engage with on Twitter. And it's so fantastic how he is involved in so many different things, but all of them apply a value to what he's doing with his high school group. So here is Byron's contribution from the last episode. And then I'll wrap up here with Byron. He mentions uh, he kind of took both approaches really and said on the field, it's implementing your style of play. And then off the field, it's setting standards and expectations for the year for the team. So if we can encompass everything, I think Byron sums it all up there nicely. And I'm interested to know how you do it off the field. As I said earlier, are you able to spend time in a classroom or do you sit on the side of the field for 10 minutes and, and identify these things? So those additional questions that came from Byron's submission led us into a conversation into exactly how he does what he does and, and kind of why he does it. So you can always follow me on Twitter to keep up to date with things like this that I reach out for podcast submissions or even just for general census. And that's at Lee Dunn Soccer. Then you can also follow Byron too and definitely give him a follow. He is at Byron22911. Again, that's at Byron22911. I'll cover it all again at the end, but here we go with my interview with Byron Gutierrez. I I, I appreciate your, your input. First of all, in that last podcast, I think your kind of comments were perfect to wrap it all up in that everybody, as I said, kind of this, their first instinct was to go one way or the other. And I love that you went both ways. And that's why I wrapped it up with that. Oh, yeah, I appreciate Yeah, I, I love that. I love, uh, man, uh, ever since I found out about like soccer chat, and I think it was like almost a year ago, just the input that we get from the soccer community on Twitter is like, it's just a free coaching course, like almost daily. So, and then with you having that podcast from everybody, um, it's it's pretty awesome to see, okay, what can I take or what can I learn from this person to, you know, implement it on my team or our team and, and go from there. So, I think that's one of the best things and kind of constantly in my podcast, it's been look at, look at what's out there. Look at how, yes, I recommend courses, but as you said, there's so much out there that people are just willing to share with you if you just... Either A, ask the question, or even just read. You don't even have to participate in a lot of the conversation. You can learn so mm -hmm, much right. just, just by observing. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I do. I don't, I don't know a whole lot, but I'm definitely trying to read, trying to send myself messages on Twitter just so I can keep it and, and not lose it so I can refer back to it. I do that a lot. So. Yeah, uh, it's so valuable. and I mean, that's all we can ask for, really, as individuals is to just to have that material available to you. Sure. So, so let's, um, let's jump into an overview of who you are, what you do, where you come from, kind of a little bit of your background and we'll, we'll go from there. You know, Byron, uh, I, come, I was born in Miami, Florida uh, from immigrant parents. They're from Nicaragua, but Central America. 
Um, and then I live in Oklahoma now. Uh, it's a small town called Meeker, and it's 45 minutes east from Oklahoma City. Um, I've played sports all my life. Um, I actually got into soccer a little bit later in my life. Um, but I played American football, basketball, um, soccer. Um, and then, yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it for that. So. so what was soccer like for you growing up in, I'm sure it was kind of busy in Miami with a huge immigrant population, but then what's it like in Oklahoma in comparison? Okay. So Oklahoma, yeah, Miami, you almost have to get into it, you know, um, you know, it's America, America's still big football, but Oklahoma, uh, shockingly, um, it's, it's, it's getting bigger. I feel like with, uh, clubs, uh, high schools, um, I feel like high schools are definitely invested more into trying to bring in the right coaches. Um, middle school soccer is, is starting to pop up a little bit more. Um, so Oklahoma, um, I don't see a whole lot online about Oklahoma soccer, but I feel like it's definitely, it's definitely growing and, uh, and to be taken serious, uh, uh, here in Oklahoma. So, and so then, um, how did you get into coaching? So, uh, I played, uh, I played club at my university, uh, Oklahoma Baptist university for one year. Um, and then I graduated. I graduated and I wrote on my resume that I played soccer for one year at the university club. And then, so when I interviewed with the principal, he just told me, well, you're going to be the head boys and girls soccer coach. <laughs> so I, yeah. So I was like, Oh my gosh, I've only played right back and I have no idea how to even coach. So that's how, that's how I got, that's how I got that right there. So that's the same story of, I think a lot of coaches, especially those that are coaching their children that turned up and said, yeah, I've, I've got an experience. I coached my, or I, I played soccer for two years or whatever. And then suddenly they become the head mm -hmm. coach. <laughs> yeah. Head coach for, um, uh, boys and girls on the girls side. Um, I was actually co-head coach with another coach. So she actually coached the girls and I did a lot of the administrative stuff. Um, and I was actually assistant to her for the girls. And then so, but my main focus was the boys. Um, but the girls program, um, has, has actually been good here in Oklahoma. Um, they've won the state championship in 2016. Um, and then the last three years, um, before I left, we, uh, there's five rounds in the playoffs and we've, we've made uh, first year I was there, we made it to the second round. And then the last two years we made it to the semifinals. So, um, and then girls from last year's team, uh, had, a, had gone to a, a college soccer scholarship from there. So, wow, that's incredible. So, um, that is, is that, was that the first one that had gone on to college from that program? No, 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 it's not the first one. No, the, the, the coach actually that was there before I was um, is actually now a junior college coach uh, 30 minutes from where I am. And so he's had girls go to college for soccer way before that. So Brilliant. Now I have, um, it, and I, well, just to revisit that really, I think it's super important that players see this pathway, right? They have 
kind of a direction that they go into. And I want to get to your direction, but I know that you also coach high school football too. I'm super interested yeah. in that. It now, um, I guess, before I have you kind of explain that, I think maybe, is there, a, you, is there a crossover? Is there anything that you take from coaching soccer into coaching football and vice versa? Uh, it was definitely... It was definitely those standards, you know, that we'll talk about later on. Um, and then uh, strength and conditioning. Uh, I feel like implementing an athlete is an athlete, no matter what sport they play. So when I trained football, I had no school with strength and conditioning. I would focus on what, what can make this athlete a little bit better. And literally that same focus would go into uh, doing the soccer boys and girls strength and conditioning as well. Oh, wow. So it would be the standards and strength and conditioning um, where I would cross over, you know, soccer and American football. So That's so interesting because I know the, I mean, I'm heavily influenced by a lot of European or South American coaches and the, yeah. it, it's a very much a kind of us against them mentality for a lot of for versus a lot of sports but I know football is one of them and I've been in a school where I've seen the high school football coach walking around and look pointing at the soccer players and saying hey you're playing football this year right you're not playing soccer and, and <laughs> like that's and yeah. it's so interesting to hear someone that does both <laughs> yeah yeah so and and uh, and in Oklahoma uh, American football starts in the fall and then soccer starts in the spring. Okay. So it doesn't it doesn't interfere, you know, with anything. Um, so uh, when football season's over, I get a little break, and then I head into soccer, and then that's where that's where I start. So it's been so far, it's been really good, and where I don't have to like choose between football or soccer, and same with the kids, they don't have to choose between football and soccer; they can do both. Too right, yeah. I know that's fair, and that makes a lot of sense. And I know that here in Northern California, they've just done the same thing too with adjusting the the season so that there's less overlap with club too. So that's been a that's been a positive move that the players can play everything. And I think perhaps the main issue would be that the there's a lack of communication between the coaches. So kids are oh, covering sure. kids are coming off a club season, and they're being they're they're suddenly moving into this strength and conditioning element because that's what the high school coach thinks. But really, they've just been playing all season, so now they're being punished. Really, and it's it's fairly tough. So there's some good people out there, but it's definitely questionable in some situations. Let's get into kind of the your pod your podcast um, contribution. You wrapped up kind of talking or I used it to wrap up the whole episode in the on the field and off the field aspect. So let's jump on to the on field. And I know we kind of we have some ideas here on what we're we're gonna work through, but I guess my first real question is where did it come from? Where did that um, that style of play come from? Where did you like where where is this material come from? Does this come from this wonderful world of Twitter that we live in or has it come from somewhere else? Um actually it came from the U.S. soccer uh, coaching courses. Um, I got. My, I have my D license, and while I was taking my D license, um, that's actually where I got the style of play. Okay. Which it can, you know, it can actually surprise people because they'd be like, "Well, where do you find that on 
a coaching course or whatnot. <laughs> um, but so that's where that's where I was. That's where I got the idea, like you know, uh, offense and defense, and then the four phases of the game, and then implementing uh, building out of the back and so on and so forth. Because um, before that, like I told you before. I had no idea what I was doing, and I thought random drills was going to make the team better. <laughs> so I definitely – I want to take my D license course just so I can see what can I do to implement something for, for the boys' team to, so we can look like something, you know, something good on the field. <laughs> so um, a question on that then, and this is – a, a complaint I've heard and something I've become familiar with over time of taking other licenses has been that you typically it was it was always a pass fail environment and so the coaches would show up they would do whatever they were told to do to impress their instructor and then get that pass mm -hmm. so what was it for you was it just a case of realizing that this was actually something that was going to provide the structure you needed because a lot of people as i said will, will leave a course and be like great that's done i've got my license now i can just carry on doing what i'm doing and they're fairly entitled to do that but you saw some <clears throat> other value in that oh I, yes it gave me structure it gave me a, a game style of what we needed to do on the field. Um, it gave me comfort in knowing, okay, this this can be implemented um, on the team and the team can actually improve from it. You know, I, I hear a lot of, you know, practice play practice is not not the best thing for players, but for, for our team that we had, they needed to play as much as possible just so we can implement a style. Um, now, with that being said, do I do rondos? Yes, I definitely implement rondos. You know, uh, I I implement, you know, maybe half-field uh, game-like situations, you know. Uh, but I definitely follow that practice-play, practice method just because our team needs to play as much as possible to get some results of implementing a game style on that field. Right. I really appreciate that you've, you've taken that view too. Like there is a method to the madness. Who's only doing what we're doing? Right, exactly. Yeah, so, and then that goes on with later on, like we have a standard on the field. Okay, now we have to find, you know, a standard off of it as well. So in, um, and we'll get to the off-field stuff because that's super interesting to me. Um, and I want to kind of cover through your, your style of play. So you have... I guess what we'd say, kind of like a, a periodization plan that you do everything in three-week blocks. Yes, mm -hmm. three-week blocks. Yes. Why do you do? Uh, why do you do three-week blocks? Um, it was just based on the school schedule okay. that I had. Um, so in Oklahoma, you know, we have spring soccer, but we actually start December first, and we only have three weeks before Christmas break. So that's where I got the three-week blocks of implementing something attacking defending every three weeks now is that um is that, is that many so you can fit it in it fits within school is that so you keep the the approach fresh for the players is that do you, are you finding success with that every three weeks yes yes even if they get tired of it like oh my gosh we've done this for two weeks now it 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 focuses on on like just that that pattern that we talk about that implementing that game style three week blocks you know every day for two hours 
they're gonna get something out of it. They're gonna they're gonna see what mistakes they make, and then improve from that. Or they can see what they're getting good at, and how can we make it better. So it keeps the kids' mindset in uh, in a routine, um, and then so they don't have to worry about implementing another type of uh, of, of practice into our practice sessions. No, we know that this is what we're doing for three weeks. Can we learn from our mistakes, and then can we continue improving on what we've improved on? It's uh, I, I, I have so much appreciation because it just it makes so much sense when you look at the bigger picture and you just think when you go in with some kind of a structure and some kind of an understanding of what you're working on. And I'd be interested to know, could you summarize this approach versus your previous approach where you were just pulling drills out of thin air? Oh my gosh. Um, so <laughs> the, my gosh. So we need to improve our possession. So I would go on Twitter or I would go online and, and try to find things, you know, possession-based drills that we needed to do at practice. And then, well, we didn't, well, we didn't score good in practice. Now I have to look for the next day. I have to look for finishing drills, or you know. So and and the kids, they liked it, but they were, oh, well, what are we working on today? Well, <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, you know, or uh, how are we actually getting better if we only do this? once a week or twice a week. Um, so then, so now the, this past year, when we implemented the three-week building blocks, the the kids knew, okay, our first three weeks, we start with building out of the back. So that's what we're doing for the next three weeks. We'll try to find uh, different ways to build out of the back. We'll, we'll try to figure out um, what the goalkeeper can see or what, what he can't see building out of the back, um, what our, you know, center backs and right and left backs can do, our midfield. So it just, that three-week blocks building out of the back improved, and they were able to see that same session in a complete different way to where when they get into the game, well, we practice this for three weeks. Now we know what we need to do to try to get the ball into the opponent's half. It, it's so simple because it works right you have this yeah. idea and this style and this this kind of these action points and i just actually published a blog post about it and there's a player called antonio Candrevo who plays for antonio conte at inter and he just said like he, there's this big quote but he they kind of wrapped it up by saying for example when you enter the pitch and you have a clear understanding of the ideas to follow and that was all part of the confidence that the team has and how good he feels in that environment and he just wraps it up by saying because i know basically what i'm being asked to do and he said further on in the interview he said that he's been given kind of two or three solutions to most of the problems he's going to face on the field and from those, he knows how to deal with it. He knows what his teammates are going to do. And if you think that's a professional athlete that we think typically as a fan should know what they're doing because they get paid all this money and right. they're professional. But if they need it, imagine what our younger, younger developing athletes need. It's just, it's, it's such a no brainer in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And uh, I mean, yeah, a professional athlete still needs a coach. Like, there's no professional athlete that's not being coached somewhere. So for us to think that we're going to get random drills and for the kids to get it and not being coached on it 
you know, consecutively or on it, like, consistently. It's just you're waiting for magic to happen, but you have no, I guess, potion. Yeah, I just, I look through your phases. I really like it because you kind of shift from a defending to an attacking focus, and the whole U.S. soccer methodology is kind of set in the environment. So you look at your first three weeks where you're working through defending, you're really working on attacking also because you need your attack to be good to then challenge your defenders so your defenders can work through whatever your solutions are for them or whatever the whatever the moment of the game is. And it makes total sense to me to see it that you move from a three-week block of defending into a three-week sole block focus of attacking and then flip-flop between them. And you make a comment about your, uh, your set pieces. How are you... I'm super interested in set pieces too because you know growing up in England it was just lump it in the box and these yeah I mean if you watch the Premier League on TV you see that the fans are yeah. celebrating when there's a corner and I think often corners result in more goals for the opponent than they do for the team taking the corner due to counter attacks and so how yeah. are you how are you yeah. with set pieces what do you how do you try and incorporate them into your practice <sighs> Okay so I'm not very good at set pieces I mean that's just, that's just, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, so trying to incorporate set pieces, if, if we have time a little bit, um, you know, after, and this is, you know, preseason before games or anything like that, uh, we try to, uh, I have written down like plays that I want to do. So we try to incorporate those plays. Now, when you have 25 players, it's kind of hard to have everybody just standing there and, and watching. Yeah. So, I mean, that, literally, that's what I do. I have the kids stand there, and some guys make runs or, you know, for attacking corners or defending corners stand there, and then we rotate, um, you know, just keep it simple that way. But I really want to try to improve uh, in a way to where everyone's involved and not just standing around um, because we, we're the ones that get scored on all the time, and that's just that's – just, I feel like it's my fault because I just need to be better at that. So – um, so that's what we do, just attacking corners and defending corners, free kicks and all that. We, we rotate, get stand around, they rotate, and then that's, that's what we do. So, it's, I, I know from my own experience, I think it's affected my opinion on set pieces too. I try and take things as quick as possible just so the ball's in play and maybe so that I can avoid them. But I remember <laughs> growing up, at practice in England and standing in a wall for 45 minutes while the guys who could take free kicks practice their free kicks from different areas of the box. And then, and then kind of my, my, as I learned to question things, I remember thinking, how many free kicks do we actually get in these areas? And then now as a coach, I create a plan for that. And then when I'm looking to build in set pieces, I'll play a game with my team and I'll give random fouls or I'll give random corners where it should be a goal kick. So not only do I kind of get to challenge the players on them and their respect, so to say, towards the coach or towards the referee, but it actually also creates those situations for them too. So I set pieces is a key one because there's a lot of theory that that's also a fifth moment of the game from kind of the attack and defense and transition. So I know there's a lot of people out there that are doing set pieces because we all need to. I just... I'm always interested to poke and, and find out how people are doing that. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good idea. Games, I mean, there's not a kid from U4 to college that doesn't like games, so that's definitely a, a great idea to try to implement it that yeah. way. And 
kids we're going to play today. Oh my goodness, this is the best practice ever. (laughs) (laughs) So let's jump into the um, off the field stuff. So again, in that last podcast, you, you took the line of where you mentioned to set standards and then expectations for the year for your team. And so I had commented the uh, more of an open question, really. So how do we do that? How? And I know lots of people have different ways. So let's dig into your methodology and, and the way you do and, and why you do it. So, you know, and so that's going back to, okay, we created a standard of how we wanted to play on the field. So the kids started to see, okay, there's some structure going on. Um, so, um, my assistant coach happens to be my best friend here. Um, we came up with, um, or we were trying to come up with what is something we could implement that does not affect just games. We need our guys to come in and be ready to go every single day, every moment. Um, because if they don't get better in practice, then what's the point of playing games? Um, so then we came up with, oh, I mean, we didn't come up with, but we thought about um, a win the day. So win the day, uh, which for us means we are trying to do our best and everything possible to try and be successful in this one day that we have. Um, and then the three, the three, I guess, codes that comes with that would be respect, effort, and fun. So we, we told our guys, like, this is this is what we stand for right here, and it's winning the day. We have to come to practice like a game-like mentality because I, I told them, I don't know if it was right or wrong, but I told them if we are going to suck, well, we're going to do everything in our power to get out on that field and have no excuses of why we're a bad team. If we're a bad team, it's because the other team was just better, not because they outworked us, not because they do the little things better than us, but they, they were just better soccer team. So we implemented that. Um, uh, and when, when we would go out to practice, uh, we'd, we'd start with, okay, let's win the day. Let's see what we can do. And we told them what we were going to work on that day, you know, building out of the back or whatnot. And then after practice, we talked to them again, and we would each coach would talk to them about, okay, I feel like you guys won the day. This, these are the, the positive things that you guys did to win the day. Um, and then this is what we can continue to prove on tomorrow of how we can get this standard or, or this structure we got going on of winning a day a little bit better for the next day. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes, you know, when effort wasn't there or things like that, um, we told them, we told them, hey, you guys lost the day today. You know, you guys weren't you weren't ready or you let other things get into your head. Um, now, can we come back tomorrow? Can we come back and, and, and win the day? Can we be successful? And just putting that in their head, winning the day, winning the day, winning the day, you, you, it's a ring. You know, when you hear like a little ring, it's going to ring in your head hopefully hopefully all day so where it's in your mind, it's in the back of your head, whether it's in the front of your head or the back of your head, you're going to hear, oh, we got we got to win today. We got to win today. So, so our mentality was trying to win practice. It was not about the games anymore. It was about can we get better to win that day. So, do you have? Um, so I, I I appreciate that 
the coaches would reflect on it because often coaches will come up with a great idea of what they want to implement and then it just kind of gets pushed by the wayside because everybody's busy and and you run out of time doing things and so things like that maybe become easy just to oh we'll do that tomorrow and then slowly it becomes it becomes a thing but it's not really a thing like win the day oh yeah they always talk about it but they never really do it so do you um do the players give give their give their opinions or their feedback or do you have like captains that would lead something like that too or is it always the coaches uh, it's always the coaches. We tried our players, but um, our players just wouldn't. I just have to do a better job of creating leaders. Um, but when there was uh, when we had a game or when we had practices, you could see the guys like, "Hey, we we need to get going, man. I'm not I'm not trying to lose today, or I'm not trying to run more, or I'm, we're trying to get better." You could see the other guys pushing each other. And it wasn't a specific player or anything like that. Or and or some guys, just their actions, they're going hard all the time. So then we would try, hey, look how this, look how so-and-so is going hard in practice every single time. You know, can we do that? Can we match his intensity? Can we match his mindset? Um, so I just need to do a better job of trying to create leaders to where they can step up and talk about winning the day. But a lot of it was on the field where when they were practicing, they would push each other or they would see somebody else's actions. So. And you mentioned before that you guys have a, like a dress code, like standards for your players, right? We kind of touched on it early on about the standards of the environment. Mm-hmm. Is that- um, so that, that, that dress code, um, so uh, we started implementing it my second year. Didn't put a big emphasis on it. My third year, you you better have a dress code um, just because if we're going to practice, you dress accordingly to practice. I'm a teacher. If I go to work in my soccer clothes, uh, well, no one's going to take me seriously. You know, so we were on them about our, the dress code, um, and it was school color oriented. And, and it's just a, a little discipline thing for the kids, you know, uh, the kids that we had, Maybe, you know, they might be the baby of the family or just some didn't have um, the discipline that they might needed at home. So we, we as coaches, we stepped up to that and then try to fill in that role a little bit to where this is, this is how it has to be done because it's a right way of doing it. You know, and it's not about, it's not about, oh, I just want you to dress code because I said so. It's about doing the little things right. Sure, because yeah. Because little things right, yeah, you know, you can see the big picture later on, so. I like it. And so um, that is, I, th- I think it's super valuable that these players are able to, like, become a part of something, right? They're, they're, it's a, like a belonging. They're, they're able to almost, I guess, express their, their contribution or their part of that environment. I mean, who doesn't want to wear that, that the correct gear, right? And I guess... Mm-hmm. as an individual you can then look at someone and say well hang on a second there it's almost like they're rebelling a little bit and now I know that I need to have this conversation with this player and just find out what's going on and I think it sets yeah. you up well to not just to rip into them and say like boy you better get that gear on but actually hey well, like, what's what's going on let, let let me be considerate here and, and see what see if I need to have a deeper conversation with you yes most yes most definitely you know or they might not have the money to go get something, um, you know, or, or something of that nature, or, you know, my parents won't take me or, 
well, here, this is what we'll do. This is what we can do to help you out, um, just so you don't feel isolated. Kind of, do you do much classroom stuff, or is it a lot of it's kind of in the locker room and on the field? Do you do? Um, I, I try and I put, do a lot of presentations with my players, and I you know I put a lot of work into them, and then I often wonder how much of it actually resonated, and I found that inputting just just simple comments or simple taglines like you have like a win the day that that means so much in in such little words that there's a constant thought process for the players and you can refer to it constantly and i'm trying to do that more and more in my own environment so i'm wondering how how you begin to bring these types of things into your players so we don't do a whole lot of classroom things um i just feel like i don't want to I don't want to keep them there for too long just because they'll be like, can we not see you again next week or whatever. You know, with the practice play, practice methodology, uh, I was able to, I practice like bringing them in every 15 minutes or so. You know, like I talk about what's going on in the field and then we would talk about, okay, but your effort has to be a tad bit better or you guys can do this a little bit better or, if you have any questions, please let us know to figure out what we got to do to push you or or you just might not be getting the right touch at that time. So it was a lot of it definitely was most of it was definitely all on the field. And we would just try to implement, uh, you know, winning the day concepts onto the field instead of in the classroom. Are you seeing like a an improvement or are you seeing change now that you kind of have this environment that you're starting to develop with win the day? Uh, yeah, so we started in December, uh, December 2018, so this was, you know, tw and then we got our, we finished our season uh, last week of April, and I mean, from the way we played to the way these kids would show up on time and the dress code was there um, to where they held each other and the standard was from night and day. And then comparing it to my first two years there, it was it was earth and space. I guess that's the distance from that. It was just the distance of how we all bought into winning the day and then the and then the way we play on the field was just uh, incredible. It was incredible. Even with the kids that are rebellious, you know, they Either they were going to buy in or they couldn't play soccer. I mean, there was just no other way around it. And, and fortunately, there was no one I had to tell, hey, you can't come back here anymore. Everybody bought in, whether it was at the same time or whether one or two or three had to a, had a buy in a little bit later on. It was, it was amazing. Just that you give people that opportunity. Everybody wants to belong, right? That's the way we've, we've evolved into mm -hmm. communities and families. And I just think that, you can you can really bring people along with you and those like you said that may be rebellious they they see and i see it in movies a lot too where there's always that outcast kid and then suddenly they're they're all involved and they become the star on the team and just think the more the more you can create an environment like that where it almost begins to police itself at that point right you you've set your standards yeah. you've set your expectations and everybody lives by them yeah yeah that's what it is we we did it we were on them we we're on them like white on rice, and uh, later on in the months, you know, a teammate would be like, uh, you better, you're wearing the wrong color today. 
or <laughs> boy, you better free, change. Better, <laughs> yeah, boy, you better change. And it wasn't coming from me, uh, or like, hey, we we got a game coming up, and we, you know, the boys were thinking like, this is our practice. This is our practice to if we win. If we win today, we have a strong chance of winning on game day. So then, how much? Um, so you put a lot of effort in early on on kind of the idea of winning the day. How much do you reflect on that? day to day is that now just a part of a regular conversation that you're having with the players all the time and it's a constant reference or is it something that you have to constantly remind them of or is it now just as i said kind of part of the atmosphere and the environment of of what you guys are doing i, I would say definitely you'd have to remind them you know because um once we're done in april late april may if you're in the playoffs you don't get those kids back till November, December. Uh, we, we, so you got that big gap. You're, you know, as coaches, we can't coach during the summer. Uh, so we definitely try to set up pickup games. So we, and I, you know, in the summer, I definitely stay away from coaching. I, I'll just play with you guys, and, you know, see how you're playing and whatnot. At least show up, you're there. I know you're doing something. Um, but once November, <laughs> December comes, once November, December comes, you just, okay. It start. It starts. It's like a brand new team. Even if the guys have heard it all, it's a brand new team, and let's let's start the culture again. Love it. And do they do they play club soccer too, or is it are they just solely high school athletes? So our soccer boys are rec soccer players. So none of them this past year played competitively. Okay. And then and then the soccer girls, they a lot of them played club. And uh, whether it's competitive or rec, um, I, I view it the same. Unfortunately, money doesn't. But um, so when they get to high school, you're just a high school soccer player, and this is this is the structure that we play with. I think there's a huge value for the high school, and I know a lot of players they take pride in it, right? They're representing their school. Yeah. They 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 get they get their gear, and and that's a huge mm -hmm. thing for a lot of individuals. If we can get them in the right environment constantly, whether that they move from their club to their high school and then they're fulfilling their own goals, if you like, of representing their school and they get to be the local hero, then we're, we're really providing for these players more than just skill development and an understanding of a game model. So I think to, to just wrap up on the win the day idea, you, you mentioned that we're going to try and win the day regardless, that if we lose, and I really appreciate your comment in saying it's because the other team were better than us and it's not because the referee or because of the field or anything like that or because we didn't practice properly this week. Like you've, you've created that environment and I think anyone that's listening to this can take away something significant. That for me is what I take away in that if you, you give them the best chance of success just by creating an environment that fosters this idea of winning the day. Or I listened to another podcast recently and they were talking about how the kid, well, when he was younger, his dad always used to tell him he was the best. And so he developed this mindset that he was going to be the best. He always wanted to be the best. And the same thing here, if you're creating an environment that demands a player to think like a winner and to act like a winner, 
even if the typical result of winning has not been on the scoreboard, but you've won all of your tackles or you've won as much as the ball as you could, or you've, you've appreciated, like you said, one of your kind of key moments under win the day is to have respect. And if I can win the day by respecting that my opponent was a fantastic opponent, now we really have won the day. And these individuals that we're creating are uh, uh, influencing society so much more than just becoming an athlete that's just trying to win, quote unquote, one yeah. zero, you know? So I think a huge props to you for creating that environment. I think that's fantastic. So I'm taking that away with me. I'm stealing that 100%. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, um, I had the idea, but the coaches and those kids, had to buy into what we were doing because you can have an idea but if you don't have those followers that become the leaders then you just have an idea it yes, doesn't so. it doesn't become anything so for those guys to have bought in to the program that we were trying to create or trying to create it's just it was, it was awesome to see now my my final question for you and what's next for you? Why, where are you heading with your with your your world of coaching, with your idea of winning the day? Is it something that you just ride the wave of or is this something that you're looking to take above and beyond? I do not know. That's a really good question. <laughs> I feel like um, a lot of soccer coaches, you know, that are coaching soccer, they want to get to so-and-so level. Um if I can get to the college level, uh, then so be it. it. It would be here in Oklahoma. But um, I just, I'm just trying to challenge myself with coaching, whatever it may be, whether it's you know football or soccer, um, and just always to be continue, uh, always be continuing to grow in my mindset uh, about the game, um, about myself, and then about other other people that need to be served. So. That's what, my goal. There's, I have no goal. It's a destination until destination until unknown. I guess, yeah, yeah. Until I lay down in the grave, it's just, it's just destination. So that's awesome. Well, Byron, anything to add? Anything you think we've missed here? Um. So I think so. We had respect, effort, and then fun. Um. So the fun part would be the games for the kids. Um. I. I I would bring a, a chair and I'd sit down and I would watch the kids play. That was their fun time. I wouldn't tell them what to do. The coaches wouldn't tell them what to do. They lived and learned on the field and that's where their fun came. And we had a blast this season. So it was, it was fun to watch. That's awesome. I, would you rate this season as a success? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Now, um, let me ask you, did you win the state championship? No, and no, you, but not. this is what I mean. Like you can still walk away and say, this is a huge success. And you think about the, even the professional leagues, there are 20, 24 teams in a league, 18 teams. Yeah. Only one can win. That means there are on paper, there are 17 losers yet. So many teams can walk away saying that they won that season or won that day or won that year because of this type of environment that you've created. And I just think that, and that's kind of my, that's why I'm asking like, was it a success? And, if you if you are reasonable and you set these realistic targets and realistic goals, then there's no reason why every season and every day and every every game cannot be a success. Right, exactly. So uh, we won that we won most of the days that we lost, and, and that right there was 
the success that we needed for those guys that continue in the game and then when they get out of the game continue to be uh, good husbands or, or fathers or workers, whatever they need to be. So, Byron, that's awesome. I really appreciate your time, mate. This is fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lee. <laughs> finish this episode with a huge thank you to Byron for sharing his process and for sharing his position with everybody here. It's super unique in, in the way that he runs through high school football and, and then soccer and all inside the high school environment where a lot of the time if you're not the top player it seems like you could be left behind and as he goes to say that most of the players are not club soccer players and actually this has given them their opportunity to compete and to belong in an environment that is super challenging but super rewarding. We talk about winning the day and if you're leaving every day feeling like you've won regardless of the result if you played a game but if you feel like you're winning imagine how good that feels for anybody in life if you get home and your wife or your husband or your significant other says did you win today and if you can sit there and say yeah i did because i achieved whatever i set out to achieve or whether it is i just have this feeling like i did win today now imagine how much that's going to carry over into everything else that you do so a huge props to byron for his thought process and for sharing that with us And don't forget to follow him on Twitter at Byron22911 and tell him how you're winning the day. My thanks as always go to Tactical Pad for their sponsorship. You follow me on at Lead on Soccer, you'll see some of the stuff I use, some of the gifts I create with Tactical Pad. I put it on Instagram too, and that's the same at Lead on Soccer. And it's just for my players. I'll often film with my phone too and just create little gifts and little videos that I create that take take me five minutes to make and they last forever with my players because they begin to see some of the concepts that I'm trying to work on whether it's in that micro cycle as Byron mentions with every three weeks of changing the cycle or whether it's more in depth than that or it may just be that significant moment but either way tactical pad is fantastic get on it lead on soccer there's a discount code on my website too that you can use to get yourself access to that for a little bit cheaper Thank you, as always, to everybody who contributed from the last episode, to the people who are listening to this one and sharing with their friends and their family and their coaching community. That's the idea of this podcast. It's sharing, it's knowledge, it's information. It's something that we can all take away. And hey, if everybody's winning the day, soccer's winning at the end of it. So thank you again. Lee Dunn here, Heads and Volleys podcast.